Welcome back to the Secret Walls podcast. <laughs> so I made myself laugh because that was such a higher energy start. Um, but do you know what? I'm not even going to re-record this because it all takes me about 20 bloody times to get this right. So I'm just going to keep going. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so pleased that you've come back or if this is your first time listening. Um, you know, hello, my name's Jimmy. I am the host. I always host it. Uh, let's see how long that lasts. I'm kidding. I'm going to be here for ages. Um, our guest this week is Sophia Chang. Sophia hails from the borough of Queens, New York City, and in less than a decade, managed to champion a name for herself in the art, design and streetwear community worldwide. With her BFA from Parsons School of Design, coupled with a natural acumen for business, she has collaborated with A-list names across multiple fields such as Nike, Adidas, Apple, Foot Locker, HBO and the NBA to name a few. Uh, This is easily one of my favourite episodes yet. Sophia is a proper creative person. She does loads of cool stuff passionately and authentically and we talk about a lot of that stuff on this podcast we also get really woo woo as Sophia um, calls it and look anyone who allows me to spout off some of my like half-assed spiritual ideas or misremembered spiritual quotes and teachings is a friend of mine and I really appreciate it so you know we go deep on all that stuff or as deep as I'm capable of Sophia goes deeper than me because she's um, smarter than me and probably more spiritual but we talk about sleep cycles we talk about aliens we talk about mental health and well-being uh what else oh yeah we talk about Sophia's newest uh project uh which is a platform called common ace essentially a one-stop shop for women's sneakers so you know to my female listeners if you've ever thought to yourself like why oh why are all the coolest sneakers um only available in like boys sizes and where do i find the cool ones in my size common ace is where you find them at common and Ace on Instagram um, and you know you can find their website from their IG uh, so have a look because it's dope like I follow it none, none of the sneakers are available in my size but I just like looking at them still really cool um, what else yeah, another little cameo from Alfie the cat or Alfred as Sophia calls him so I'm going to call him Alfred uh, from now on because why not um, yeah it's great look follow us on Instagram at Secret Wars. I nearly said at The Secret Wars. One of our accounts is at The Secret Wars. I think that might be Twitter. Um, or maybe that's just my email address, jimmy at thesecretwars.com. It is. If you feel like uh, emailing me personally, then that's where you do that. Sign up to our mailing list, um, which you can access on our website, secretwars.black. Subscribe to this podcast on your preferred platform, whether that's Spotify, iTunes, or YouTube, if you want to watch me and Sophia or me or me and any guests so far. Uh, yeah, you can watch us as well. Um, a little bit voyeuristic, but whatever you're into. Uh, look, sit back, relax, and enjoy the inspiring sounds of Sophia Chang on episode 12 of the Sequels podcast. Thank you. Hey. It's perfect. Hey, Sophia, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm really well, thanks. I'm loving the, um, what's the, is that just a normal Stone Island t-shirt you got now? I'm a big fan of Stone Island. Yeah, it's just from, uh, I was actually in pajamas and I threw this shirt on right before we hopped on for our, uh, our, our video chat. But I got this from the store, the store opening uh in LA but I don't know if you can tell but they actually offset the screen printing because it's actually not very centered it's kind of like a little thing that kind of annoys me it's like a little whatever a little bit over to the right on the t-shirt yeah yeah it should be a little bit more centered and did you, you got that on um it's not on Fairfax what's the street it's over that way but... yeah uh, La Brea La Brea 
La Brea. It's an awesome store there. I'm a big fan. I mean, look, I'm wearing my, this is our soccer team. Harvard yeah, House nice Umbro. Oh, yeah. great. Little Umbro flex. But of course, do you like, do you know a bit about Stone Island? It's like, it's the kind of, um, the label of choice for football hooligans <laughs> where I'm from. Really? I knew yeah. there was a lot of like Italian uncles and stuff like that that wear it. It's like more so of a mature brand over in, in Europe. Yeah, I, th like... I, I think it goes like football hooligans, Italian uncles, the rest of us for Stone Island. Great. Yeah, so look, how have you been? Thanks for, um, thanks for agreeing to, to jump on. We finally got hold of you. It's definitely been a reoccurring theme over the last few months with us and our guests and postponing, um, rescheduling, all the buzzwords, pivoting, hearing that one a mm. lot. But awesome that you found time. And yeah, how, like, how's life been, been going in 2020? Uh, well, I think very high highs and very low lows. Yeah. That's the best way to be able to put it. And I think like emotionally, mentally, that can be like what I've been just doing 180s. And I'm pretty resilient for the most part. I'm quick to adapt, like not sit and sulk and just like keep it going. But I've been very mentally spread thin from work mainly since February. So yeah. before COVID and then COVID and then all this crazy and then the riots and then BLM and then like some other personal stuff. And it's just been like, oh my God, just you know, it's, it's hard to find time for yourself and it's hard to say no a lot of times for work because you don't want to come off like a bitch <laughs> or, or too busy. But, um, you know, I, I'm much more refreshed now. I kind of took, I was planning on taking the whole month of June off away from my desk, but that didn't really happen. I um, was able to get like a sweet week in and uh, yeah, it was good. Just get out to nature, just have some fresh air, just have a change of pace and not wake up to the news or Instagram or sounds of sirens and all that crazy stuff. I think it, your, your body holds on to a lot of that stress and anxiety. Um, but yeah, much better. Back at my desk, ready to go. Answering all the old emails that have been on snooze for quite some time. And now I'm here. And you, were the, you guys were the first ones I hit up when I was like back at my desk. I was like, hey guys, ready to go. Let's, let's yes. Go. Forget all the big money jobs that Sophia's got. She was like, I've I got to get on that podcast. We're, start, we're starting to get some listeners actually now. Start, you know, we're, starting to, um, we're starting to accumulate a fan base. But look, that's great that you managed to get some time off. And I mean, how are you with the highs and lows that you mentioned right at the start there? Because I'm definitely someone historically who gets so kind of swept up with the highs and with the lows like they really take hold of me but i think recently i've you know set a real intention to kind of stay like as neutral as possible but are you someone that just you know do you do that or will the things around you just really take hold of you uh i think a little bit of both um so i'm like born and raised in new york where every day is a fight against the city and <laughs> shit's happening so you have to maintain your calm, maintain your cool, maintain like, is this worth my time and energy to get pissed off about or just keep it trucking? Um, and I'd say this season, particularly, the pendulum swing has been made way more dramatic. And I think everything's a great lesson, a great opportunity to gain that self-awareness and just find that grounding of what that means for you. 
and I've, and I've, you know, kind of experienced the same, I call it like kind of the biochemistry and the hormones and that feeling time and time again in my life before, whether I took on way too many jobs. I'm like, fuck, this is fucking crazy. I'm losing my shit. I'm assuming I can curse on this podcast. Sorry. Um, of course we like, we encourage but, uh, it. We actively encourage it. Oh, good. Great. I'll be a perfect fit. But yeah, there's been times of that or, you know, where I'm way past my threshold and I'm like, damn, next time I have to like be more mindful, not overcommit myself because I'm losing my mind right now. Um, but I think this season it was more ex- obviously external things. So you have to like mentally just, you know, be mindful of how much you want to give of your own energy into everything that's happening out there. Of course, you want to pay homage and respect and, and be mindful and aware, but it's also like at some point you also have to completely shut it off to just, I've been, I've been reading this book uh, it's guy, by a guy named Joe Dispenza. Do I have it? Oh, here's the one that I've been reading. Look at that. One of them it's called Becoming Supernatural. And I, I was actually going to major in biology before I decided to pursue the arts, believe it or not huge, huge biology nerd. I'm really into neuroscience, biochemistry, body hacking, understanding the science behind our bodies so that I can do more and perform at my best. I'm obsessed with sleep cycles, timing my sleep and figuring out all the different ways I can hack myself so that I can be at my most creative peak all the time. Wow. Um, But this book has been really helpful just to get into a bit of like quantum physics and quantum energy fields and how we can actually perceive life around us this is like a bit like super crazy i i watched an episode of like pharmaceutopia or something that's on vice where that guy tries all the different drugs okay yeah you know what i'm talking about yeah vaguely um anyways i've never been someone who does like hard drugs or anything like that but i understand the thinking when people are super high and they're just like you know, everything is a conspiracy and the government's just trying to do this. And I totally get that. Like, I'm super into it. I think every, everything from like race, gender, all this crazy stuff is just human-made, man-made separation. And how can we, if we connect with, I don't know, higher purpose, higher intention, joy, and the vibrations of love and stuff like that, and how much more we can accomplish and actually, um, I don't know, it sounds, this is super woo-woo, but it's like, not be so lo- grounded by the bullshit. Yeah, but I love yeah. woo-woo. Um, I'm a massive fan of woo-woo. And isn't it funny, do you find this as well, like kind of, you know, spiritual readings and like teachings, philosophies, been around for so, so long. But what I've noticed, um, you know, everything you were just talking about, I'm like, yes, 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 love it, love it, love it. But it's You gotta like, check out this guy's stuff though. Yeah, hold up that book that. again, because I'm gonna read this book, because I'm There's def- a book before this that you should read, which I'll email you after. But yeah. it's really great. It's it, This one's a little really far woo-woo. There's another yeah. one that he has that's a little bit more grounded, but this one is like... Becoming supernatural. But isn't it funny, yeah. though, Sophia, that us little human beings, this is the way I see it anyway, we've wandered off so far from, you know, being connected to everyone and everything around us that we find ourselves in a time where like we almost have to refer back to this stuff, which for me, you know, as like woo woo or or something like that. And and we almost have to protect um, our opinion on it because, you know, if you start often, if you start talking about this kind of thing, we're talking about an awesome book, which is just really cutting through made up bullshit, as you say, 
you know, of um, like concepts, money, concrete, fucking jobs and relationships, marriage, all of that. It's cutting through that. But because of where we are, we have to kind of like refer to it as something really unusual. And it can be much and I get it. And that's why I was like, oh, it's a bit woo woo because you never know (laughs) where your audience is at, right? Yeah. Because you don't want to feel like you're shoving down this like hyper spiritual stuff if they're not ready to receive. Um, but you know, it, it's I think one step out of time, everyone gets to their own like walk where they're like, you know, I think I need something new, and just I think it's good to just let people know what resources are out there because there's some really over the top woo woo shit there. I'm just like, oh god, like do you do you follow any of the Stephen Greer stuff? No, the I don't know. Oh, no. it's just contacting aliens. I have people in my life who contact aliens on their free time, and they're they're, they're you know these for it. they're really you know into these this people. Shit. Yeah, yeah. My business partner for Common Ace, she's uh she's uh really into. She's what's, the one that put me onto this stuff. But what's her name and what um in a nutshell how is she contacting aliens? Her name's Rami Samuel. Um, she's like really deep into the conspiracy wormholes and just loves getting into all of that. Um, she watched, she put me onto this documentary called Unacknowledged on Netflix, highly recommend it. It's very factual based, not so much like weird concepts, pictures of green aliens and shit like that. <laughs> but it's just, she's very much more highly spiritual, energetic, into like the energies and the crystals and the blah, blah, blah. I grew up Christian, so I understand the spiritual connection in terms of faith. Um, I think there's, you know, there's just so much information out there. And I think organically, naturally, when that curiosity leads you to open up and pursue it, there's a lot out there. And if anyone studies the universe, just in terms of where Earth sits, it's like, hello, there's probably something out there. Whether or not you want to t- try to talk to them is, you know, another <laughs> yeah. task at hand. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some... There's, make there's defi- contact, so yeah, they call it. Make contact. <laughs> I mean, I would be up for it, totally, if, if any aliens um, happen to be listening, Sophia. I'd yeah, definitely... I'll send you some links. I'll send, send you me some, links some Send me the links to the yeah. app so I can start communicating with aliens. There um, you go. But on, look, I love this way of um, not, not even thinking, because I suppose that's what we're talking about. Sometimes it's going beyond thinking. Sometimes I think that thinking is kind of what gets us in all these, uh, you know, crazy messes in the first place, people overthinking it. But um, these kinds of conversations I just find so cathartic and therapeutic because I was talking to someone else actually the other day and they were talking about um, depression, like someone they knew had depression. And, you know, obviously I'm not an expert, so I wasn't trying to give this person any advice, but they were just saying how this other person who was really depressed the limit of their kind of view on it is like what medication they can get from the doctor, which I, I hear that kind of, um, uh, that kind of conversation so much. And it blows my mind that, you know, a lot of people would be thinking, okay, if, if I feel bad or sad or there's something wrong with me, the, maybe one of the only options I've got is like a fucking drug, you know, that will like tip the balance rather than other options that we could, you know, start talking about now like, um, you know, just kind of understanding why you might be like that in the first place or feel like that in the first place. I think you mentioned a great point, which we kind of talked on, which is the fact that humans used to be in nature, right? We used to live in villages and be raised by, you know, our loved ones that were always around us. And we were with our kind, we were with our people. 
and we lived off of the land, meaning we were healed by the land. The, the land was what brought us life. And it, it's not until we get into kind of the Western world now more than ever, especially in America, it's like the pharmaceutical industry. What, what are the chances that pharmacy, pharmaceuticals totally go hand in hand with nutrition? There's, there's, there's you know, synergies there that are very undeniable. And so it's like the more sicker you are, the more you're, you'll pursue. Um, I mean, even if you get into like the whole Corona stuff that's happening as well, it's like people act, have actually had it and healed themselves through holistic options, but you know, they want to remove and keep that type of information away from, I don't know, YouTube or vaccinations and stuff like that and leave room for that. So, I mean, it's a bit like woo woo controversial, depends on what you want to believe in. I mean, I literally just went to, um, did some social distancing for July 4th at a friend's house and they bought groceries and they soaked everything, all the fruits and vegetables fully in soap on their sink. <laughs> Alcohol sprayed, their wallets, their phones. And I was just looking at them like, oh my God, we don't do that. And I was asking my husband, I'm like, are we fucking up by not doing this? But I'm also, I don't know. I'm also just like, not that I'm not practicing all those things. I think there's a level of hyper paranoia and also unfortunately we can't we're really realizing that we can't trust the information that's being shared with us clearly because the who every single world health every few weeks there's something completely different that kind of contra yeah. you know is um incorrect from what they mentioned weeks before and so of course it's being mindful and being considerate of everyone around us and those that are more sensitive to things but also don't like continuously live in fear as well and letting that dominate your life. So I don't know. I think everyone's striking their own balance, right? Yeah, for real. I mean, I definitely at a time was um, washing all the, or, or disinfecting all the bloody groceries. Um, <clears throat> I live with my girlfriend. I've got to be honest. It wasn't, it was more like, her. <laughs> she she wanted to do it more than I did, but I went along. But bloody hell, it's already long enough of a of an ordeal to you know go to the store, buy your groceries. Sophia, if you've then got to go through, you know, four, five, six bags of this stuff. Wipe everything down. Don't put the bags on the on the counter. Do not put it on the counter because they have the germ. I mean, it makes zero sense to me. How is it that people are going into a restaurant right now? They can eat with their masks down, but then if they're walking through the restaurant to the restroom, they have to keep the mask. A lot of it is just a little like crazy, but it's again, I need to remind myself to respect other people who, you know, might whatever be more sensitive to these things. So it's a little crazy. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I, I've gone back into the gym um, and a few people have been like, you're crazy, like that's irresponsible. But honestly, for me, it's, it's essential business at this point or an essential part of my routine because I was just going crazy without it. Like, um, and I tried to kind of work out from home. I just couldn't do it. So look, the gym opened back up, go down to Equinox. They've got their kind of cr like... Um, they got a very intense regime before you get in there. You've, you've now got to wear plastic gloves, like latex gloves for your whole, um, the whole time you're in there, which is like, you did, I went in there and you didn't have to do that for a bit. And then they were like, okay, now you've got to wear gloves. And I was just thinking, so I wore the gloves. I wore the gloves, right? And I'm thinking, this is worse. <laughs> this is worse because before when I wasn't wearing the gloves and I just had my hands, I was period, you know, I was cleaning everything, periodically going to the, um, to the bathroom 
washing my hands, going to the sanitizer, you know, sanitizing my hands. Now that I've got gloves on, I'm not doing any of that shit because I'm not washing my hands with gloves on. <laughs> um, and so I was just like, I'm, I'm probably picking up more germs, aren't I? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. Like, sometimes if you just sit and think about it, it just doesn't add up. Like, the eating at the restaurant thing, groceries. I went to Sprouts yesterday. Everything's in fucking plastic bags again. What the fuck? We literally just took, like, 20 steps back in reverse again. And it's like, okay, Sprouts will let you bring your bags, but sometimes you go to, like, Whole Foods, you can't bring your bags. Do you realize how crazy that sounds? I'm already picking everything off of the shelves with my hands, which you then are scanning on your machine with your gloves, but I'm touching it, but I can't actually bag my own groceries. Like, and then there was another time they were like, oh, you can't bag, you can't bag here. You can put everything in your cart, but you got to go outside to bag it over there. I'm like, five rules, regulations, I get it. But in my head, it's like, everyone's making this shit up. They're making yeah. this shit up yeah. as they go. It's really made up as they go. They don't actually fully understand how the virus works. They fully understand, and they're just making it up as they go. And and we just we are unfortunately are, you know, have to follow. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, look, like disclaimer. I'm I, and I'm sure you are too. Like I'm doing what I'm told, but I a thousand percent agree with what you're saying. It does just literally feel like someone's going. Um, all right, so what's next? Uh, you know, this sounds like a good idea. Cool, let's make that We have people rule. live in fear more so that when we come out with the fucking vaccine or some pharmaceutical pill to fix your shit, you know, everyone will flock to that. I don't know, yeah. it's kind of stupid. Oh, but look, that's what I wanted to ask you. Talk me through, you mentioned sleeping, sleep cycles. Yeah. I'm, kind of, I'm kind of into that. What, um, what, like, you, you know, what are your findings? And did you have a, an issue with sleep as a creative person that you've corrected? Because I kind of did. So I can talk about mine after you talk about yours. So mine wasn't unnecessarily a lack of sleep. My dialogue, internal dialogue, has always been too much sleep. <laughs> yeah. I literally just slept 10 hours today. I set an alarm for uh, seven something, could not fucking get up. And I was like, fuck this shit. I'm going to sleep in a little bit more. Why am I trying to fight myself? I think now more than ever with quarantine, of course, like if you have young children, it's different, but um, just listening to your body more. I think it started with that. And then I stumbled upon um, like uh, educational resources for it. There's this one guy I'm obsessed with. His name's Dr. Michael Bruce. They call him the sleep doctor. He has this whole uh, approach to chronotypes which are your sleep profiles, they're hormonal and they're hereditary. When I heard, first heard those words, I was like, holy shit, because all the women in my family, we sleep like crazy. I usually need 10 to 12 hours of sleep in order to function. Otherwise, I'm like someone who's hungover. Like I just can't answer emails, I'm not creative. I'm not a useful person on this being um, if I don't get my sleep. But you know, you know what our culture tells us, you know, early bird gets the worm, you know, people who wake up early, they're more accomplished, young entrepreneurs, you know, or, or you're more successful if you wake up early. And there's also this opposite dialogue, which is when you sleep in, when you sleep more, you're lazy, you're more, well, so there was this always weird, like, conflicting internal dialogue, like, oh, I, I have to try to be like this. And when I actually started to learn about the science, I realized this is just my chemistry. And if I lean into my body's natural makeup and chemistry, I don't need to fight all of this society bullshit. If I lean into my own chemistry, I can actually just excel way farther and faster. 
So I started reading into the chronotypes and it's, it's all about a lot of different hormones, but mainly like obviously your melatonin levels throughout the entire day. And you learn about your circadian rhythm and how electronic devices like the blue light affects your uh, melatonin and all that, all that stuff that we kind of know, but you actually see the perfect symphony of how our body works within a 24 hour cycle. Um, and when you actually understand what your chronotype is, you can go on his website, you can take a little quiz, then he tells you to buy his book, whatever. But if you really look into it, it's very accurate, right? It wasn't until, you know, a couple centuries ago, actually, I don't even know the date, but essentially, long story short, we used to rise when the sun rose, we used to sleep when the sun set, majority of the time, until we got like candles and stuff like that. Um, but even on the spectrum of light, right? Spectrum of light is rainbow. Red and yellow, orange light is natural from the sun. Blue and white light, which is far end of the other spectrum, has the highest frequency of light and it penetrates the deepest in our retina. So it actually affects our actual retina, which is a naturally degenerating muscle, which is the whole thing. So we're, we're, our generation is actually the first generation that's stuck in front of a computer all day for hours and hours at a time. Then we look on this, then we're watching TV, then we're wondering why we can't sleep and then we're drinking coffee and, you know, our drip coffee at home and all this other shit. So and it's like, how are we not out of whack? Yeah. And, but so is this kind of, um, the stuff you're talking about, is it saying that actually the light like that's being emitted from these screens absorbing that particular light, which is like the blue light, which is not so great. Right. That, yep. that contributes to us kind of um, not being able to sleep. We can't get REM sleep as well. We can't hit wow. our REM sleep as well. And, it, and there's more. I mean, I can get it. Yeah, no, I bet. One more little tidbit. There's one more thing called cerebral, I think it's called cerebral spinal fluid. It's a type of fluid that runs through our nervous system from our yeah. spine to our brain, blah, blah, blah. It's only through a certain stage of sleep, REM sleep, where the fluid actually floods our brain and actually gets rid of plaque from shit that have has built up during the a work day you know when you're like when you've just run through your entire brain all day you're so exhausted you get one solid night of sleep you're almost like a new person yeah it's that so all all that our body is designed to do is heal itself constantly and how important sleep is within that component and how your actual natural hereditary genetic makeup and all of that actually contributes to your sleep cycle so the hum humans are actually the only species that deprives ourselves of sleep, meaning around two, three o'clock, we're tired, we kind of want to take a quick nap, but we keep pushing through, or we're running a deadline where we work in production because of an agency, and so we don't sleep. So it's, it's striking that balance, um, and there's a lot of healing that we can do for our bodies through practicing chronotherapy, through sleep, and how much we can heal our bodies of illnesses and sicknesses, and um our mood it's amazing and it's super it's super slept on <laughs> with that but look it all makes sense doesn't it i mean it, it like intertwines perfectly with everything we're talking about it's like getting these natural things right before um you know like taking drugs or turning to medication or what your job's saying or your relationship. It's like, there's other things we can do. Even going back to what we're talking about with coronavirus, you know, like being very healthy, you know, just being like the healthiest version of yourself, apparently, and it makes sense that it is, is a very good, 
defense mechanism against it. But of course, our attention's taken away with like masks and, um, you know, the gloves and everything like that. But what I'm interested to know on the sleep thing is, you know, so it's kind of widely like reported or recommended that people should get like eight hours of sleep, right? So that's kind of, is that bullshit? And is there too, is there like, um, you know, an amount of sleep that's considered too much and also an amount of sleep that's considered too little? Like what are the parameters that people operate in? So I've actually figured out a way to hack myself. If I need to catch an early flight or time zones and stuff like that, 90 minute, it's, it's all 90 minute cycles. Um, I, I'm obviously not a super expert. This is a, just regurgitated information, but it's 90 minute cycles as far as like sleep, REM, and when our brain goes through the, I don't know the order of it, but the, the uh, meditative phases of in terms of brain waves. So yeah. it all works in 90 minute cycles. So it's up to how many 90 minute cycles you need. Meaning, uh, if you get woken up, if an alarm or something wakes you up in the middle of your cycle, you're fucking tired and you physically feel exhausted or you're mentally just like, whoa, like you barely know what's going on. That's because it disrupted you in the middle of that cycle versus catching you at the end of that cycle. Do you get so what I mean? Yeah, Before like it's, it's, it's woken you up from, from your like deepest part of your sleep rather than like yep. when you kind of like, yep. you, you're either just sinking into it or just coming out of it. It's like you're bang in the middle. Right. And you're, and when that happens, your brain wave might be at a certain state and then boom, you have to like wake up and be like, whoa, what's going on and be aware versus, so you're kind of transitioning from your dream state. Um, so I actually started using, I started experimenting with this, my bedtime app in my iPhone. So you have a little bedtime app and what you do is you set it to the 90 minute cycle. So that's an hour and a half, right? So if you get six hours versus seven and a half hours versus nine hours versus Ten and a half hours so you can actually do the math yourself so you should try it and actually see i kind of timed mine a little bit perfectly to nine hours kind of eight hours and 45 minutes and you actually start to see that so if i need to wake up at 5 a.m to catch a flight how can i actually reverse that cycle that i usually sleep in and that's been a, a really interesting way for me to have so when they traditionally say seven to eight hours of sleep is a healthy amount of sleep it's not that that's not true but again your body is different from mine you know, we need, everyone's is a little bit different. So work based on your body, understand the science, to actually educate yourself on the science, experiment and see how your body responds to. Um, I think there obviously is such a thing as too much sleep. Obviously some people have physical like repercussions from that. I kind of don't, I actually love it, thrive in it. Um, but again, it's not one answer for all. Everyone just needs to just go out there, try it for themselves. We've been told, even just wrapping up everything we talked about, like we've been told so many things. We've been told so many things that this pill will fix it. We've been told that early risers are the more successful people. We've been told, you know, seven to eight hours. Why not educate yourself and then go try it for yourself and see what actually works for you? I'm, I'm with it. you. I'm, yeah, of course, I'm with you. You know, I think it's, um, it's definitely sound advice to, to look inward <laughs> once in a while, not constantly be looking around for like the latest thing and, you know, the fad that's going to kind of do this, that and the other um, for you. Um, yeah, no, that's brilliant. You should bring out your own app, Sophia. You could have a, you could have a lot going on with it. Sleep cycle. Well, you know what? I um, I have a health and wellness platform that I've been working on for the past seven years. I wanted called... to talk to, to, to about yeah. this with you. What's it called? That's Undo Ordinary, Ordinary right? Yeah. Yep. 
and uh, I have a business partner that works on it with me as well. And, you know, it really started from me going to the gym. And the only reason why I started going to the gym was because I started to get shooting pains in my neck, my shoulders, my wrists from sitting at a computer all day, every day, oh, wow. for just nonstop, just working, being creative, right? And going to the gym got me into eating better and eating better got me into going into all these new spaces to shop, to try foods and all that stuff. And what I started to notice was that there was a huge disparity with just diversity and just the places I would have to go in order to work out or eat better. And I noticed a lot of times I'd be the only person of color there. And it would just kind of be this interesting observation. Um, and then when I met my business partner, she was on her own creative journey as well as um, a marathoner, runner. And so we are both creative. She's kind of, we're kind of yin and yang where she's, more of the 3D and I'm more of the 2D designer. Um, and we meet in between with art direction and execution. Uh, but we started this publication and we are literally nine issues deep. And we actually have an entire one on sleep. So we have a different theme for every single issue. Um, but our whole goal is to repackage the way we talk about health and wellness um, and really package it for the creative community. Because if you, she kind of came from fashion music, I came from more you know, street art, streetwear-ish scene. No one in these communities talk about health and wellness in a real way that's applicable, desirable, sexy, interesting. Um, and we wanted to change that. And I think that this has been a great experience and journey to just really see how the power of art and design can completely transform and propel messaging in so many different types of ways. So, yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. And I mean, I think it's so important as well for creative people to um, to really get their heads into like what, what you're talking about. Like this seems very necessary health and wellness because, you know, I think like cre creativity is kind of born from the same places that, that you're, I imagine you're talking about a lot in, the, in your magazine, you know. So if you want to be a cre like creativity, I think is kind of like what's the best way to describe it? But I guess like handed to you from somewhere else. That's the way I kind of see it. You know, you're not really, you're not really getting good at creativity by kind of like practicing with your brain. I'd say it's more about how you can kind of come from within. Yeah. It comes from within how you can feel. And you know, I think that like creative ideas um, come from, you know, moments of peace and calm. Um, and in between moments of stress, you know, so I think it's, yeah, it's super important uh, for me anyway, as a creative person to be in tune with the kind of thing that you're talking about with undo ordinary. Um, but that's and just to be a super nerd to that yeah, point please. as well, what you just mentioned is all supported by science. So how can you create an optimal hormonal state so that you are getting the, the cocktail of hormones and juices for you to be creative. You can actually recreate those settings for yourself. When we're in flight or flight stress um, mode and all that stuff, those hormones actually, you know, they all kind of go up and down. They actually go against all the hormones needed for creativity. Yeah, wow. So when you understand the science, you can actually create these optimal environments for yourself to be able to work better and create more. And, and that's what we wanted to do is to be able to, package out that um that type of education and those resources no i love that and um because that's what i've always thought about the kind of spiritual stuff that i like reading and the stuff that resonates the most with uh, me is always the stuff where i'm reading it and i'm like no this is not woo woo in any way i mean it could sound like that but it's very very logical i mean you talked about quantum physics earlier 
And for me, I fucking love quantum physics. But when I read about quantum physics, I'm just like, yeah, this is like an amazing like spirituality book. You know what I mean? But it's just, it's scientific. You're going to love this guy's book that I send over to you. You're going to lose your shit. It's like, it's all quantum physics. It makes you be like, so nothing really exists and we don't really fucking matter. And this is just made up. Great. What's yeah. next? I was, um, I was having that conversation with someone else recently and I was like, yeah, my general outlook on reality, like the tamest thing I believe is, I guess, kind of like a, you know, like maybe a kind of Buddhist outlook, which is everything is connected and is essentially like one organism, you know? So life energy is something that flows through everyone, but it's one thing and it kind of is, you know, it breathes into just all organisms, objects, inanimate, whatever they are, it's all one thing. But my most extreme, um, like, idea on reality is, uh, I guess, like a Hindu belief that it's all just virtual reality. It's all a kind of theatre production, you know? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Virtual reality. That's a great way to put it. That's actually what we've constructed for ourselves in terms of humans. Anytime you're on Instagram looking at some fucking crazy insane insanity, we are. Welcome yeah. to The Sims. I mean, we're literally in there. But when I like, I, I like to think like the virtual reality I'm talking about is more like it's just an occurrence. It's not like, like Elon Musk will talk about life being like virtual reality. But when he's saying it, I'm pretty sure he just thinks there's these weird, <laughs> like these weird He's thinking ma the Matrix. He's thinking the yeah. Matrix where we plug our fucking necks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and who knows? I mean, we're never going to find out and we'll never know. But I like to think that it's more, it's just something that's like occurring and happening. It's not like, a, it's, not like it's planned from somewhere else. And they're like, right, what we're going to do, we're going to make a planet Earth. <laughs> we're going to have all these fucking people running around. You know, it's more just like um, an occurrence. But that, so that's really interesting with Undo Ordinary. And is it, is it not just a magazine? I didn't mean that to sound um, like it isn't a lot. That's incredible. But do you do other things with that like what's undo lab is there a kind of like yeah, studio section it, to it right yeah it started out undo really started out as runs like runs in new york city this was before like nike did uh, nike training club and run clubs were like a huge 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 thing and like in the trendy uh public space but um we had started as a run club asking the homies hey you want to come run it was a lot of like creative people um and it was very organic and then you know we wanted to we had this very interesting community of this bridge between fashion, creatives, and also health and wellness um, folks. How can we actually repackage this messaging into a website? It's just storytelling and branding, right? So I started this publication, kind of kept it going. Um, but the events element was always really important. So uh, bigger brands started to tap us into our community. We had worked with Airbnb when they had um, an entire activation for the New York City Marathon. So we did a different, we operated almost as an agency in order to curate and create um, different activations that they could have in each borough of New York City. So we understand, I mean, we've also worked as vendors uh, individually as professionals for these bigger corporate brands like Nike and Adidas and so forth, but also seeing the, the the disconnects within agency and actually how things are activated and brought into the community. And we also are the people on, on foot, on the ground, meeting these people, living this life of being creative and also going to the gym and shopping at these cool brands and so forth. And so it very organically became this kind of agency service connectivity. We off chimed into research and development, 
um, you know, my business partner had worked with Adidas on um, sports bra performance uh, design, just because there was a, there's a huge lack in great product design within that space for all the brands. Um, and so it's been a very organic dialogue in terms of things we're obviously nerds and obsessed about. I mean, it's opened obviously a lot of great uh, work opportunities for us and also creators within our space, not just like influencers with huge metrics and numbers, but actual mm. amazing creators that we've worked with. Um, and so, yeah, it, it starts with the publication um, and then also just events and community and bringing people together for the greater good. When the election had happened as well, um, you know, a, a lot of people were taking to social media as far as how they feel, all the forums, every time you turn on your phone, there was something or Facebook and everyone was doing all these panels, all these panels of people talking. And so what we started was a talk series called Come Talk to We. And it's kind of like a playoff of Jodeci's song, Come and Talk to Me. Um, and so we brought everyone together, friends, family, whatever. And it was just almost not a town hall, but that's kind of what it was. We brought everyone together to just talk. And from 2007 to now, almost every few months, there was something crazy that happened in the news from shootings to, you know, the president to just everything, um, even BLM and stuff like that. And so um, we wanted to offer space for humans to connect and humans to actually talk to each other and hear pauses and, you know, even with um, the Me Too movement, actually allow space for people to unapologetically feel safe to be able to speak their opinion in a very respectable, respectful way. Um, and so we had been hosting these events every single month in New York and in Los Angeles just to get people together. Sometimes we had a big gathering, sometimes we had smaller gatherings, sometimes it even turned into networking work opportunities because of the type of people we had in the room. And so it was just, again, connecting humans back to our purpose and like reasoning for being here on earth. How can we all, and because even with panels, it was like elevated people, the entire audience. It's like, I think the audience probably has a lot to share in terms of this topic and how can we actually all collaborate and, and learn all together. Um, and then we had a few digital ones since COVID. Um, and yeah, and it's been a kind of an ongoing thing. We're working on issue 10 of our magazine that themed survivalism, ironically enough. <laughs> um, this, we actually were working on it before COVID hit for quite a few months. And so it's all about survivalism. It's all about, um, uh, just where we're going to go from here, whether it's the planet, do we know how to sow our own seeds? Are we equipped with the things that we, our ancestors were equipped with? How can we learn from them? How can we learn from nature? What are some tips that animals do? Like I have two dogs and I have to say two things I learned from them was the first thing, do you have any pets by the way? Yeah, I've got a little Persian cat locked in the bathroom right now because he's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love Persians. Um, I'll, I'll get so, him out in a sec. So what, what dogs do is that the first thing they do when they lay down, when they make their little bed area, they do a big exhale. And it sounds like all of the stress from the day is just released. <laughs> and I was yeah. just thinking, that is so, so, so it's such a small thing, but so beautiful. And like, that's something I'm going to try to do every time I'm in like a resting state. Um, another thing I picked up from them was uh what was it um the stretch anytime they get up from a rested state 
the first thing they do is a full body stretch mm -hmm. and then they continue and do whatever the hell it is and i was like you know what that's interesting stretch breaks like yeah. obviously stretch breaks are important for humans but it's just interesting to see animals and the little things that we can actually learn from them yeah it, that, it is like when they get up from a little rest and stretch it out it is like they're just stretching that tension away and then they just get on with their day but that's so funny i've never um i've never really like acknowledged the fact that they you know when a dog walks into a corner sits down <laughs> my little cat does the same thing um but that, that's brilliant i'm gonna i'm gonna do that one sophia have you been doing that yeah. you've been doing you do it out in public just if you sit down on the uh on the metro or something you're like <sighs> sometimes Sometimes like I started um, doing these really big yawns. I don't know if this happened naturally, but like just fully relax your jaw and just do a big audible yawn. I've always kind of done it, but now more than ever, I don't even try to hold me back. Have you ever tried to hold in a yawn? It's not a comfortable feeling. Yeah. What would happen if we totally leaned into that? If we actually listened to our bodies and fully leaned into our bodies. No, but anyway, really I did that once in New York, I did a full, big, unnecessarily loud, audible yawn on a street corner. We were waiting for the light to change and like definitely all the people around me stared at me like, fuck. <laughs> I was like, I didn't realize I was doing it so loud because I had headphones on and everything, but. Yeah, but look, there's a lot of things like, I mean, maybe it's not quite on the same level, but even when you feel like you feel a bit uncomfortable, you've got a burp or something like that, like just any kind of bodily like function or noise, like we're definitely kind of in, indoctrinated into this idea. You've got to like hold that down. You can't, you can't yeah. let anyone know that you're like a, a breathing, human. bleeding fucking human. Do you know what I mean? We have yeah. to be clinical, clean. Um, yeah, that's crazy to think about. Yeah, th look, this whole undo ordinary, I think it sounds amazing and it sounds like really nourishing. Um, and mm -hmm. so those, those town halls, they're like, that's kind of like a private thing, right? That's not like a podcast or... No, they've been, well, they've been very open to the public. There's been a lot of um, questions about, hey, do you guys pre-record this? Do you do whatever? But it almost defeats the purpose of it because mm. the whole point was you have to physically be there. That's the problem. Yeah. Well, now it's different, right? But, um, but you still, you still got to be there in, in the moment, you know? In the moment and feel the energy in the room and feel the, what that person just said and energetically where, where they were coming from and understanding their pause versus the very binary social media, da, 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 da. Like it just doesn't cut it. We know that. Yeah, no, it does. It sounds very th uh, therapeutic. I mean, it reminds me, like, I've before have been in, like, um, you know, like recovery-based programs where it's a similar idea. You know, you're going in, sitting with a bunch of people and just kind of, like, sometimes it's quite positive, you know, but sometimes it's v v not positive, like people are kind of really on the edge. But just to create a space where people feel comfortable to just let it out, is so so therapeutic and so powerful either just you know doing it yourself or listening to it so that's incredible i think that's yeah super important. and no judgment and you're no not judgment. friends with these people just yeah. we're humans we're all here we're all here on the same page we're all here on the same level we're all experiencing this mm -hmm. yeah open floor Let's and go. i think and i mean i'm sure you, you'll probably be able to tell me but i would imagine 
for a lot of people who haven't gone to it before, their first time they come to a space like that that you've created, they're like, fucking hell, like this, this is exactly what I needed. Because again, you know what we were saying about you can't like burp on the, on the metro, you shouldn't yawn in public, people will look at you weird. That's an extension of exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> you know, there isn't really space to just be yourself, like your true self and just fucking like let it out. So that's really fucking cool. And when, like, yeah, do, do you do them in Los Angeles? Say again, sorry. Nowadays, it's our opinions, right? Because yeah. we have to be mindful of what we say and how we say it. And even if you speak your own truth, that might be, God knows, you know, the worst thing you can say and everyone will tear you down on the internet. Of course, there's good and bad to some extent, but it's also a great opportunity for education, for, for opposing opinions and stuff like that. But yeah, we do them, we were mainly doing them. So my business partner and I, we met in New York. We were working in New York for some time and then we both had moved out to LA. So, um, and then we go back to New York uh, a couple times a year. And so we try to host it in New York whenever we're out there. And mainly we would do it every month in LA. Mm -hmm. And now you're doing them on Zoom because we can't sit with each other anyway. Yeah. yeah. Well, do let me know when there is one, if I'm allowed to join in, because I love Yeah, absolutely. Well, they've kind of been on hold for a bit because we've mentally and emotionally been trying to wrap our heads around everything that's been going on as well. But hopefully soon we'll be picking back up. Yeah, that's dope. And we're like, so speaking of that, everything that has been going on, I mean, with uh, Undo Ordinary, are you, that sounds so like super nourishing for creative people, um, but also oh, yeah. maybe really good for brands as well so like are you working with a lot of brands because i mean what i'm seeing at the minute um is definitely a lot of brands are probably starting to panic from like the pandemic and losing business and thinking fucking how like you know we really need some purpose now in order to kind of drive forward and then everything that's happening with black lives matter as well you're just seeing a lot of like kind of good stuff popping up, but then a lot of stuff which feels really inauthentic to me um, and really just kind of, yeah, inauthentic's the word. So do you, are you kind of consulting with brands? Because the way I see it, there's a lot of, you know, brands are kind of powerful entities, but for me, they, they often get it so wrong where, you know, these kind of like press release, robotic statements, that uh, you know just make them seem so cold and heartless like huge corporations this is the thing that i was thinking as well like, i've read so many statements from huge corporations kind of lending to uh, lending support to black lives matter like it is the other like it's something completely apart from them and that just makes me think what well, by releasing this statement are you just saying that top to bottom you are white as fuck you know what i mean why are you not trying to kind of like get it you're trying to lend support to a movement but like look after your own people, your employees, your community. Like it just seems so weird for me. So yeah, I mean, have you been having any conversations around that? Like maybe how we can bloody help brands be more Yeah, helpful? I mean, it's a, it's a very delicate space. And I think everyone finds needs to proactively search for where they stand in that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, my business partner on undo, she's a black woman and, you know, this is something that's come up many a times and we've discussed it. And we've also been on the forefront with many companies as well to not directly address racial, um, in, injustice or disparities, but more so to allow for us from an Asian perspective, we've always wanted to bring in that diversity standpoint as in all all kind of uh the entire spectrum and making sure that when we're working with creators we're bringing in 
creators who are from a diverse perspective. Um, but we're also just tired. We've been on the forefront in many ways, being the voice in this space that we're also very emotionally drained. So we've been just trying to find some time to uh, gather ourselves mentally and emotionally because when you're a mental emotional rock, as you know, you can't create, you can't lead, you can't serve people. And, um, you know, as, as a leader, I think we've recognized that more than ever, um, a leading voice in this space uh, that we've occupied. Um, I think there's a lot of voices out there, which is fantastic, that are doing great things from highlighting um, you know, black creators. That's, that's something that I was trying to figure out what to do because I've obviously worked a lot in the, you know, black space as far as its music and arts and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, I have conversations with friends that I can be very realistic about and they can be honest with me and be like, you have to say something. What are you doing? What are you going to say? And I'm not a writer. There's a reason why I draw all the time that words <laughs> are not my main thing. Um, and I, I found my voice through sharing other creators who were creating art that are not triggering and trauma-driven art that I felt like um, pays homage to everything that's happening in our um, community. So that's been really important. And, I, and I'm also just a big believer of not everything needs to be amplified fully on social media as well. Even though this time it's different, it's important to stay to kind of display because sometimes it can be over performative which I'm not into obviously we, we see that from the brand but even from a personal perspective um, to continue to listen to continue to educate yourself continue to support and help amplify those voices as much as possible is important so if you're hiring if you're working with other people to make sure to keep that in mind um, just because it runs really deep, like all of that history is very, very deep when it's in, in America, especially. And my business partner on Common Eighth, she's Australian. And she's just like, I don't really get it. And I'm, I'm trying to, not that she doesn't get it, but just like how intense it is and why people are so angry. And that why yeah. we should all, we need to take a stand and we need to make our voice known in this space. Um, because I'm sure for the rest of the world, it's a little bit kind of a little bit different looking at America right now. Um, but yeah, I think, I think we're, for, for Undo right now, we're kind of taking a break. We've been very proactive voices in the space for quite some time, for a very long time. And um, we're just trying to gather ourselves and see where we go from there. But there has been like a weekly newsletter we put out to support um, black businesses that, uh, you know, my business partner and I have powered or aligned with in the past. So we're just trying to make it very organic and not too forced since there's already so much action and oversaturation in that. Mm, no, yeah, there, there is. And a lot, obviously, like social media in times like this is obviously overriding. You have to acknowledge the good um, that it does in spreading awareness, which is brilliant. But yeah, I mean, a little bit of what I got from, from you there, and I agree, um, is that social media can also often just become a bit of a kind of easy fix for the mind, you know? So you can uh, do your it. post, you know what I mean? And then, and feel like, well, look, I've, you know, I've, I posted my stance, so everyone knows, so, you know, that's kind of me. But I think a lot of the work or all of the work, really, that's it. Social media should just be used to reflect reality, you know, not create its own reality. And I think that's definitely, um, a danger of a kind of false reality being created sometimes. Um, 
but yeah look that sounds awesome and i can't wait till it kicks back off again mainly because i want to come to one of the uh town halls and yeah and, and for talk sure. to some people um but look Great. can we talk about common ace as well because yeah. um I, you know, if you just want to let everyone know like what it is, I know what it is. I fucking love it. <laughs> so I want to get into it. But yeah, I, you know, I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to explain your thing. Yeah, so Common Ace is a new venture that I started. It's primarily a tech platform, but we are designed to be a one-stop shop for women's sneakers. Um, that's our North Star right now. It's really about creating accessibility. Yeah, it's, a, it's really about creating accessibility in this space. That's where we're starting off with sneakers because, you know, I grew up um, collecting sneakers myself in New York and also now and have worked in the sneaker space and just know that um, there's been, just been so much conversation over the years as far as being a female, you know, women's products, um, streetwear, where women play into all that. And I think it's really important to we've had a lot of great conversations. There's a huge, amazing dialogue that's been sparked for quite some time now. And let's actually turn that into action. Yeah. Um, and accessibility has always been a huge issue. Always. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Especially for women, because that's what I mean, even from like a male's perspective and sorry to talk over you, which yeah, no plays completely against what we're trying to talk about here. But even from a, it's only because like, this is something that I've noticed. And to be honest with you, Sophia, I can't believe that no one has like done this before or done it properly because, you know, since forever, I've been having this same conversation with girls where they're like, for fuck's sake, all of the, all like, you know, your sneakers come out, Jimmy, and they're awesome and they're gray and black and, you know, like dope looking and neon. And then ours come out. And they're all pink. Pink and orange <laughs> and lavender. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, yeah, fuck. That's so true. Um, so, and yeah. Even just getting sizes and even the accessibility of shopping, because I have to go on all these different websites with all these different tabs right. to try to see if they have my size. Or I can go to these nicer, fancier websites, but, or like a stock X and go, but I'm not trying to spend three, $400 on a pair of sneakers that I swapped on and but look really cute. And, and it's, there's a whole bunch of science that goes behind how women shop and why we shop differently from men. Plus you find the marriage of design with great UI, great UX that actually works with your consumer and your customer and their actual behavior. I mean, it's a win-win. Plus, I mean, there's just so many pluses and pluses and pluses because obviously I've worked in the space, I've harnessed the relationships um, from a big brand perspective, but also from a creator uh, community perspective. And also just someone who's proactively a voice within um, the space, whether it's sneakers, design, arts, culture, um, and streetwear. So just continue to just hopefully be a, a beacon of light in this space. And why not create a product that's really speaking to the things that you're saying that's actually helping the community? Because it's like for us, by us, you know, for women, by women. We're actually, mm -hmm. my business partner works at KISS. Um, you know, I've worked She works at KISS, sorry. Yeah, yeah, Kiss in uh, in uh, West in uh, Hollywood. Yeah, Hollywood. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, and so we understand. You know, as soon as a female shopper comes in, she's looking at the male shoes. Of course, it doesn't come in her size, and it's just like there has to be a better way. And it's not that difficult. It it just really no. puts the right people and the right vision um, to to bring it to life. So we're really excited. I mean, the future is very bright for us. So we're excited to see where things go. 
Yeah, but like, why, why are we in this situation? Because, you know, obviously if you look at just like shopping on the whole, right? It's not like, it's, it, it, there's some kind of like, there's an equal amount of like marketing spend, right? I imagine on oh, trying to market stuff to men, to market stuff to women, everyone in between. Well, maybe not everyone in between, but let's go men and women. But why is it, it you know, are people just sort of like, aligning with ancient ideas that like no boys boys like sports and streetwear so that's them and then girls it's going to be like beauty products makeup dresses and high heels it like is that what's going on and then anything else is kind of seen as niche because again like i you know i'm i'm mates with loads of women that like of course they like all their beauty products they like looking fancy and whatever it is but they also fucking like streetwear and sneakers like so to me that tells me that it isn't like this niche little thing there's like a real yeah burning i think there's, desire. there's two factors here one is you have to look at who's in charge do you have to, so one thing my business partner from undo talks about a lot is she doesn't like to spend time clucking with the chickens if she ultimately has to report back to the rooster so wow. you have to look at who's in charge and who's the one who's making these bigger calls. I, I do believe that a lot of times women in corporations are trying to make a propelling statement and a propelling um, argument, but you have to look at, you know, who's in charge. That's one. The other thing that's really important, and I've learned this over the years of being in these conversations where people are complaining about why, 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 why just shrink it and pink it? I don't know these girls. It's because of sales. We may, may be in, um, you know, key cities that where streetwear thrive a lot more or, you know, obviously with the internet, streetwear has obviously taken a whole nother uh, trajectory and reach. However, the majority of sales in the women's market for certain types of product predominantly are maybe your pink items or your blah, blah, blah. This is, and of course, that's going to be the case because that's what's made available to us, right? Um, and so it's just, such a new space that I think a lot of times bigger brands are, are scared to take the risk or not the right people in charge. And so there's a, a bit of um, those hurdles to jump through. But the really exciting thing that I'm happy to share with you is that even with working on Common Ace, we've worked on, you know, business deck and all that stuff. It's been extremely hard to find studies on women in sneakers. In fact, all the studies are women in footwear, which encompasses sandals, heels, wedges, whatever, and then sneakers for global market, North American market, including men and women. Very, very little statistics are actually available specifically for women in sneakers. So what we're gonna be working on is putting out our own study that we're gonna be conducting yeah. um, that actually states, just putting it out there because why not? It's like if you're really doing it for women and you're actually, uh, what is it, female empowerment, whatever that stuff, let's actually do it. So that's what we're going to be working on um, for the next few months is a formal study that's pulled to support um, the data that we know, that women shop differently, that if we can't decide a colorway, we'll buy multiple colorways and maybe return it and see how we feel. And we shop emotionally. Why is it that we go to certain brands or we want to spend money when we're not feeling well and stuff like that? and really understanding the science behind all of these factors that we know innately as women, but how do we have mm. the data to be able to support that cohesively? So, um, you know, gotta work that on a, it. That's <laughs> amazing. So with that, like, with those kind of scientific studies, is the outlook there that if you get the right data, 
then you can kind of use that data to talk to like the right people and you know your your kind of service or your insight can just be like cover a bigger spectrum of, of the world like you can yeah. you can do, do a provide a bigger better service for like more people or more women yeah i think that's a huge component um on top of that i uh um we've also we've also just we know that that data exists out there so we want to be able to support that um, we've also, you know, had opportunities to be able to talk about potentially uh, getting investors and we've had a ton of VCs reach out to us. Um, but I think this is, I think what's really important is, yes, this data will support our argument and our existence. But what's in, more important than ever is it actually supports all the women that work in streetwear. It supports all the women who have a desk job at a Foot Locker, at an Adidas, that's been trying to convince her boss and her team in order to do something. This study will empower those people right. who are, are individually in their own positions of power. Yeah. Right? And it, of course, will help us in our argument if we start raising when we go down that rabbit hole. But most importantly, doing it for the culture, doing it for the community, this is our way of actually putting our money where our mouth is. Um, yeah. so I think that's really exciting and, uh, yeah, it just has to be done. Like why wait? And I think a big part of it too, is we're not really here to ask for permission. We're not really here to get approved, seek approval from yeah. anyone. We're doing it because we know up. in our hearts, this is what we do. And this is what we live and breathe on a day to day basis. Like it literally buy way too many things online. And it's like <laughs> fucking annoying. But it's, for me as a designer, it's studying and dissecting what is it about this that makes me go back and, and reflecting on my own consumer journey and my own user behavior and applying that to our product and hopefully being able to, you know, have the supporting data from the community, but also a lot of science to support that. Yeah, that's it. So like, I think I get, I get it more than my, my first statement. So now if you are... Like say you are a woman who's um, you know pretty high up at Foot Locker trying to order in some sneakers. Instead of her having to talk, you know, instead of her having to convince whoever she's got convinced with data that pretty much you know as you say it's been taken all across the whole kind of footwear spectrum that pretty much says no no pink is what you need to get. She can access new data by you, <laughs> new science by you that will support. No fuck that. This is the cool shit. This is what we should be. Um, buying in and there, and there is a market for it so you're basically yeah. going to make all the foot lockers way way cooler for women yeah that's what we're really trying to do that's our purpose here at the end of the day so that's amazing like I, i'm honestly i'm a massive fan of that i love the account everyone should follow that account because it's um you know as a dude like i'm sure a lot of those sneakers aren't, aren't in my size maybe they are but it's just a, it's just a fucking great account and that is what you want to see right it's i don't know i don't think i've ever in my life looked at something and been like that's amazing for boys <laughs> you know what i mean it's just it's great or it's not great and it the, just that, is and at the end of the yeah. day if you're really championing creativity it doesn't matter if you're a dude or a chick or anything in between you just style and you express yourself however you want to come forward to in the world that day. That's yeah. it. No, I agree. Um, amazing. Well, look, yeah, everyone follow. What, what's the account, Sophia? Uh, common just common ace. ace. All one word. Yeah. yeah, everyone's got to go follow, follow that. But then, look, I guess my next inevitable question, and it kind of leads back, we've almost come full circle, um, is, yeah, how do, you, how do you not burn out? How do you... Are you cool with... Uh, we kind of touched on it, but are you... Do you thrive, um, like, kind of under pressure, 
doing a lot of different things. You like, you remind me of me a little bit, <laughs> but just a lot further ahead in your creative journey. Someone who thrives off new challenges, but it always seems very authentic with you, by the way. And I think that's what's really important. You know, that you have these kind of ideas and things that like turn you on and excite you but they're not just limited to like one avenue. So you, you do one thing and then you're like, fucking hell, I've got another idea for something cool in this direction, in that direction. And you seem like the sort of person who's got that on lock. So, you know, how, how do you juggle it? Does it overwhelm you or do you thrive in that kind of Yeah, I think in the recent years, I've kind of been able to be more comfortable in my own skin and my own identity. Because for many years, since I was in college, I mean, I'm pretty sure I had ADD as a kid, and I'm sure I still do now. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, when I was in school, I've always had this conversation, this dialogue of like, Sophia, you're doing too much, pick one thing and be good at it. Why are you doing all these things? Or when I tell people about what I do, they get really like, I see the look in their eyes, they're kind of overwhelmed. Um, <laughs> and that's always kind of bothered me. And yeah. even working on my bio to talk about who I am and my projects. And it's just, it's like, oh, all over the place. So crazy. And I don't want it to come off as like, she doesn't know what she's doing. But in a way, what I've kind of come concluded to, and I've mentioned this before, it's a lot of times other people can't do it. And just because they can't do it doesn't mean you can't do it. And that's the thing. I think people want to put me in a box because it's easier for them to understand and digest. And that's great because that's pushed myself to be able to explain what is it that I do to people a little bit more, depending on who my audience is, I can kind of gauge it. But um, it's, that's what I've kind of concluded. It's just, just because they can't do it doesn't mean I can't. And yeah. therefore I will continue to do because this is innately who I am. It's like when we talked about creativity, this is just in you and it has to, it just has to come out one way or another. And there's been times in my creative journey where I've tried to cap that because I felt like, oh, what would they think? Or maybe this is crazy. I'm actually going to be working on a book, which I'm really excited about. Whoa. Um, it's going to be on email etiquette because there's sitting etiquette, there's eating etiquette, there's subway etiquette, but there's never been a formal like email etiquette. I get I so mean, annoyed when people book. write stupid emails. Yeah. With too many links. Uh, too many exclamation marks. And the exclamation mark. <laughs> you don't CC the right way. The subject line is confusing. So I have to comb through my entire Gmail to find the email because it's starting a new thread unnecessarily. <laughs> it goes on. So my dream is to create, yeah, exactly. Start a new email thread every fucking time. Like, oh, anyways, uh, I want to make this little book. I've already, and I have to tell you, when I allowed myself to write this book, I was like, at first I was thinking, you can't write a book. You barely write well. And you're an illustrator. And that's just like, you already do way too much. Don't try yeah. to do more stuff. This is a whole new space um and then i just said fuck it and i literally wrote everything in like one setting wow. it looks like a crazy person like it's like pages on pages on pages. it just all came pouring out so now i'm working on a copy uh, with a copy editor to try to make it a little bit more concise there's going to be illustrations to accompany it i'm going to put it i'm going to self-publish it it's going to be this book project um and especially with my experience with undo ordinary i know how to lay out books and all of that but I think the biggest takeaway there was just like when you actually allow yourself to get out of your own way, you'd be so surprised. And it took me a very long time, I have to be honest. Um, 
and I know the feeling, but when you do, my God, like it just comes out fully in full. Um, and the dream is to have it be this little niche, like kitsch book, almost like buy your Urban Outfitters checkout line or your like Strand bookstore in New York. Yeah. Um, but there's also going to be an illustrated poster edition where oh, wow. every person HR can keep it in their office and it'll be this little cult this little cult little thing that everyone kind of has almost like their own little version of the choking victim <laughs> it'll be email etiquette did you break these rules and I think I've been I've, I've worked on this since late last year and I've never really touched it since the past week or so um, and I think it's mainly because I've been getting really frustrated by a lot of the emails now that we're living in a very digital space but but more importantly how important this little manual could be for corporations as well maybe it's a part of an employee's handbook and it's like a little thing so I think there's a lot of opportunity I have to figure it out but at the end of the day as long as I get my 10 hours of sleep I'm totally <laughs> fine and I can do whatever the hell I want um, and I think a big part is is learning to work with others which has been really helpful with Undo Ordinary because we don't we definitely don't build each magazine just on our own we have amazing copy editors, mainly volunteers that are just happy to support creators that offer their art and their time. Um, and I think with a lot of my own work, because I do so much, it's building a team um, and finding the right people who are good at what they do and focus on what they're good at and what brings them joy so that I can continue to, you know, do all this crazy shit. Do all these things. But that's great. And look, do you know what? I mean, a few things from all that. Firstly, that book sounds brilliant. I can't wait to get a copy of that book. I love the way that I'm sure like a lot of it is going to be really fucking funny. Um, a lot of it is going to be really helpful and useful. And a lot of it, as you say, probably quite important for brands so that they're not just like blundering their way through communicating with artists and um, offending everyone. Um, but what's really interesting to me is I love what you were saying about just allowing yourself to do something because that's it. You know, you were saying that people almost project that their feeling of not being able to do many things onto you. And I think that's probably a similar story for a lot of people. It's kind of like our conditioning, you know, and that probably does come from, you know, I don't want to offend anyone. There's nothing wrong with, with any job on this planet. You've got to do what you've got to do. But I suppose when you're a creative person, or if you're not a creative person, looking at someone who is creative, thinking, bloody hell, they just get to like, you know, walk around all day, coming up with ideas, doing whatever the fuck they want. I have to go to work every day and kind of do seemingly the same thing again and again and again. You know, we're kind of conditioned that that is the normal thing. But what that, that's the main thing that I love about being creative. It's the fact that it's not fucking that. You know what I mean? It isn't doing the same thing again and again. And it's actually really fun to switch it up. And when you can find a team, as you said just then, then that's brilliant because you can, if you've got a bunch of people who are willing to kind of like work in all different directions and, you know, do, do all these different things, then you can all do it together. And it actually yeah, makes right. doing a lot of stuff quite simple. And I think our whole planet is obviously changing with work, workspace, workforces. I think now, especially with COVID, everyone's vir working virtually. The talent, it opens up the talent pool dramatically. So it'll be really interesting to see how things start to transition and people really have to just hone in on their craft and at the end of the day, enjoy doing what you love. And um, uh, there's obviously a huge shift happening on so many different levels, but it'll be interesting to see how everyone comes out of it. Yeah. 
Yeah, it will. It really will. You're getting pissed off with Zoom yet. <laughs> You're getting pissed off with, um, with, with virtual. No, actually, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm, I've always kind of freelanced for many years. I've worked full-time jobs as well, but um, majority of the time I'm very used to working at home and building a creative space for myself where I feel good and being hyper organized and super, I'm a total productivity nerd as well in order to not only get my 10 hours of sleep, but figure out what to do with all the time I have left over <laughs> and how I can accomplish everything I want to accomplish. Yeah. So it's, it's always striking that balance. And I think with COVID more than ever, it's been difficult to find that habit in striking that ebb and flow. Um, but we can sit and complain or we can just continue to try to pop problem solve and try and try and it doesn't work and try and it doesn't work and figure it out. Maybe one thing works for you for two weeks and then it doesn't for the next forever. So I don't know. Yeah, for real. Well, look, I think probably the last thing that I want to talk about, which is hopefully quite fitting, is a, is a quote that I read from you that says, I don't like talking about what I've done. I like to talk about what I'm doing next, which resonates with me so hard. And again, it's what we try and do on this podcast. I mean, obviously, we've talked a little bit about what you've done, but not in a kind of Q&A format. And hopefully it's all felt quite relevant to now. But in the interest of like in the spirit of that quote, what's next for you? Um, a lot of things. Uh, obviously, obviously come and, ace and undo you know I had this I've always had this question that I would randomly ask myself or you know how sometimes there's little those little hardcover books with questions and you ask your friends about it if you're with them yeah. so um you know I had this question that's always been looming over my head if I was super rich in the entire world and I didn't have to work what would I actually want to do for work and I think what I would love to do would be just be someone's like manager, like help small business owners who are so good at what they do, but they can't figure out the business side of things or the strategy or negotiation side of things and help them with that. Not like super high level, just regular people like you and me who have a creative business that they have so much opportunity to scale, but they're just so such creative thinkers that or they don't have time and they can't figure out the business side or have the bandwidth and fresh eyes to think of it in that perspective. And I, I think I would have so much joy being able to do that every day. Wow. So you, is that something you are going to do? Is that like the next department? Or the I next kind of axes? have been working. Yeah, I've been kind of working on that, which has been really cool, like helping out some, some people I know negotiate their deals and structuring scope of works for them when they have pitches and t coaching them on how to pitch and negotiate because it's very mind-boggling to actually name your price and be confident in the price that you deserve and I mm. think a lot of and I've been there as well this is all part of a personal journey as well and being um, not lacking confidence but just being worried about them saying no and obviously that is applicable for so many freelancers but um, I think for small business owners that have so much potential, a lot of times people don't actually see their own potential, even yeah. though they're so passionate about it and so good at what they do, but they just can't quite see, that see the roadmap for themselves. And so I've realized that I do have a gift in that space and I want to be able to take everything I've learned building all these businesses and just letting my passion lead me in terms of where I go to hopefully be able to help out these other people whoever they are amazing i mean it sounds you should come down to secret rules sophia um, <laughs> help carry out 
<laughs> oh, look, that sounds like a big cuss on just Terry because he's, <laughs> he's the business owner. I was going to say, yeah, we're a mess, but we're not. I mean, I was joking, but you should come down. I mean, you're, like, you've got a lot of gifts, it seems, and um, I think a lot of people will benefit from reading your email books and just following what you're doing in general, yeah. common ace and everything. So, um, yeah, look, I mean, that's amazing. It's been, it's been really exciting to talk to you. Um, and uh, yeah, you've got to come down to the studio. Come hang out. Come give us some where business tips. Where are you guys, tips. by the way? Are you guys where Secret Walls is? Yeah, yeah, we're okay, still in the I same place. Down the street. We we oh, go to Alibi sometimes to pick up coffee. I'm on yeah. Nor Normandy and Olympic. Come and say hi. I mean, I I only met you one time when you were doing the um, the MLS battle. MLS thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was fun. Really yeah, yeah, fun. that's fun. But that's where we are. We're still there, and we we're we're social distancing, but we are in the studio most days. So you got to oh, come, come and say hi when you get your the coffee. Social distance. <laughs> yeah. I know, literally, just like four of us, just sort of sitting in this vast warehouse. Are you there now? No, right now I'm at home. Do you? Oh, do you want to? Oh, that's okay. what I was going to do. Do you want to see my my little Persian let's, cat? Let's see your real cat. Quick? Have you got dogs yeah. in your place? They're in the Bay Area right now. So the one oh, of them needed surgery. So she's oh, no. like, you know, yeah, she okay? surgery. Did I tell you this? Oh God, no. this is like when I had to reschedule everything. We found out my dog tore her ACL. She had to get surgery, the whole comb thing, oh. cost $8,000. We had to deal with like her recovery time. Is she okay? Weeks. Yeah, she's good. She's great. She bounced I... back. She spent plenty of time roasting in the sun. I yeah. swear the sun has fully healed her body. I didn't but, know that dogs could tear their ACL. I thought that was only basketball Apparently it's players. a very common thing. It's one of really? the most common injuries for, uh, you know, you don't find out until it happens. And they're like, yeah, you didn't know this? And we're just like, no. <laughs> Dog it's just walking cute. around with a limp all flat-footed. Poor yeah, dog. we were like, we would have created a, a budget for all these fucking expenses. But yeah, yeah. no, she's fine. Was, What's the dog's name? Yeah. Pico, like Pico de Gallo, or Pico Pico Boulevard. Like, like Pico Boulevard, Pico Union. One of my favorite yeah. areas. Definitely my favorite street now. Yeah. All right, hang on. I'm going to get my little cat. Go get your kitty. I'm going to keep talking because otherwise there's dead air. But I can't Great. Actually, come on, buddy. Oh, come on. Oh, so grumpy. So grumpy. So grumpy. Kitty. Oh, kitty. Oh. Hang on, let me put my headphones on. Oh, he is. He's a bit grumpy. What's his name, Alfred? <laughs> Alfie. Alfred, if he's done something wrong. Alfred. Come on, buddy. Alfred. Oh, Alfred. Oh, so sleepy. Very grumpy. Oh, no. I've got to talk. I've got to talk so when people are on YouTube, they can see he looks hilarious. Bro, come on, man. You look like oh. you're on heroin or something. Oh, yeah. He's, he's trying to enjoy his high. Yeah, sorry. I think I um, I think I might have interrupted his sleep when he was right in the middle of that REM that you were talking uh, about. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what's actually really interesting with cats. Um, if you're into woo-woo nerd shit, vibrations and energy. He's mad into spirituality, Alfie. He'll love this. They say cats. They they have a because of the vibrations they create from healing. I mean, from 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 purring. Oh, there's yeah. actually healing factors to humans for, I don't know, some energy shit. That's why the Egyptians worship them. Really? Because- Yeah, um, look into when they're purring and just laying on you and purring, they're actually help, those vibrations actually help heal and soothe humans. Yeah, well, because it, does, it, it sounds like, um, it's got that kind of like chant, <laughs> chanting energy, hasn't it? 
that kind of like yeah. um, um, that like chanting vibration energy and the bloody bowls and all that. Yeah, like very tranquil. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. He, lo he, he loves purring as well. And Persian, Persian cats are quite like submissive as well. So even if, he's, even if he's just not really into it and like just, you know, you pick him up and you can tell he's not really that into it, but you're a human, you're bigger than him, you're into it. So you're gonna like give him a cuddle. He'll just be like, oh, fuck it. And just start purring like immediately. Um, so maybe that's why I do actually feel a bit better since he's come into my life. Good lad. Good boy, Alfie. Um, all right, purring. <laughs> Great. I'm gonna I'm gonna go and get high on Alfie's purring. Great, fantastic. But, I'm gonna send you those books too, so you have some homework. Send me all the books. Send me all the links that we've talked about because there was some really really good stuff there. Um, pop in to the studio next time you're getting coffee, Sophia. And thanks. Yeah, that was absolutely. an awesome episode. I learned a shitload then, and that's Woo! pretty much why I do this. Great. Cool. All right. Good to talk to you. All right, talk to you guys soon. Keep me updated on where things go. Are, am I staying on this? Are you what? Sorry? Should I stay on this or just exit the Zoom? Oh, uh, no, do you know what? They stop recording and then they're like, ah. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll stop now. We may, maybe even, it's up to Emmett. He might leave Should this we exit? Should now. we exit and get out of <laughs> yeah. here? Fuck it, we've never done that. Yeah, let's exit. All right, let's and then do that. Ready to let's go? Let's exit and then come back and we can talk after. Great, All let's right. do that.